Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. This is uh, Trey, and that would be Stephanie. And we'll begin with our prayer. Yes, good morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity. Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, good morning. You have joined Trey and Stephanie Cashin for the Mystery of Parenthood. And, and uh, Thaddeus oh, is and here. Thaddeus is in the house. Well, hey, guys, thanks for <laughs> including me. It's nice. Yeah. How are you all doing? Good. We are good, good. Um, yeah, we thought today we um, pulled out some, some uh, pulled out a binder out of the archives. <laughs> we did, because it's fitting, and, and, I, yeah. and I think that it's one that, that comes up, but certainly during this time of Lent. Um, Reconciliation and penance um, mm-hmm. is foundational to that if we're going to turn around. And I always like going back. It's interesting. It's kind of funny to go back and look at this. This is the binder from the original Red Sea um, <laughs> meetings, which it, 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 we won't do this on, on air, but, you know, here the children of Red Sea. It'd be interesting to see what happened. What's this is what I used to have. <laughs> is that like the children of the corn? <laughs> the children of the corn. <laughs> the children of the <laughs> Children it's like a binder core, of all the but, original, the originals. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I didn't even know we had this, but we well, got all you know, their birthdays and you're married to us, so. wrap saver. That's right. So this is the, this was when the apostolate was first getting first started. started. Before, this is, this is well, before long we before radio. Oh, long yeah. before radio, we had no, no idea. So what we were, di- what we did was. Is Just we give went, us a little capsule history. What was it? Yeah. So, so, I mean, basically what happened was, is uh, Stephanie and I taught first communion at St. It happened to be at St. Anthony's here. Um, it was the all-star, golly, it was an all-star class. I mean, <laughs> most people out there would know who they, who, who these kids were, but. And this is about when? This would have been 19, no, uh, 2002, 2003, right after the triplets were born. Okay. May, like, so whenever Trevor, grade, whenever yeah, Trevor, Trevor was, was like in eight, second yeah. grade, so eight, eight, so like 2003. Yeah, about 2003. Yeah, so 15 oh. years ago. Oh. And what happened was, is they, they were in our all-star class and, and we, you know, we did go by the book, but, but having just completed my master's, you know, we, we put in more and then some of the parents said, well, the kids like it, could, could we maybe dig deeper into, into the sacraments? And, um, and so basically we started meeting, I think every other Friday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and it was Kind Basically, a family. Yeah, a smattering of people from St. Anthony's, St. St. Mary, St. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas. But it was a family RE because a lot of, I think the other thing too is parents were like, our kids get to go to RE, but, we, you know, we mm-hmm. want to go to RE. <laughs> so we literally would get, we'd all get so, together. Yeah. And, and the way we designed the, the way we designed it was, is that we, I mean, I, for, Lack of a better person. <laughs> uh, I was in. I was. Uh, he was the leader. Uh, the leader. I'm the leader. <laughs> uh, at their request, and then and then basically we we designed it where we we kind of went over the sacrament, and then we um, 
talked about like what it was, why why it exists, all in the context of universal call to holiness was kind of the context of the, all of these things, and then the biblical basis, and then we would then we would talk about some key points, and then and then we would each family would go part and we'd have some questions mm-hmm. based on that and the, and the parents would sit there and talk with their kids and then we'd come back together at the end. And, and <laughs> you just see all these parents, adults and children s- sitting at Trey's feet saying, <laughs> a sacrament is a visible <laughs> sign of an invisible reality instituted hey. by Christ to communicate <laughs> grace. Again. Yeah, yes. It, that that hey, was, that was all it. of my, it is funny. I did a, I did an NFP class about, um, probably about five or six months ago. And of course in that we, I talk about a sacrament, but there happened to be one of these Red Sea children no way. in that, cl- in, in that class. And I, and I, and I jokingly, which I usually say, I said, anybody that's ever had me teach them anything knows the definition to a sacrament. And I, and I looked and I was like, uh, Go. I bet you know. Why don't you just go ahead and give it to us? And I mean, it was. <laughs> and so what you just said, which, yeah, I said, see, I, I, and and that's, you know, 15 years later. Yeah, um, that's good stuff. So whether it's good stuff or not, it's what I felt what I felt uh, compelled to do. And 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 it really revolves around the fact that I. I started on my master's and it kind of struck me that. I could maybe name the seven sacraments. I mean, if you if you ask me at where where I was, but we always talk about sacraments, but nobody, most Catholics, if you asked them, couldn't define a sacrament. Yeah, and if you can't define it, then you don't know what it's why God's given them to us and why it's so important that and so central to being Catholic, mm-hmm. um, to being Christian. Really, I mean, uh, I, I don't like. Drawing that line, if we're Catholic, we are Christian. <laughs> For some may surprise some people are listening, but um, <laughs> but we, I thought that is the cornerstone of understanding, or at least a cornerstone of understanding what it means to be in a family, because a family is built on a sacrament, um, and that we have. Well, to and it was it. such a beautiful. I mean, if you really broke it down, and and for all you out there who have. Never had Trey as a RE teacher. <laughs> I mean, his definition right. of sacrament. Right. <laughs> well, you can. Uh, yeah, his you defini- may want to turn yeah. the show off because you're about to get it. But. Well, his definition of a sacrament was just so, it was simple and it was, it was, but yet so meaty. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, you just well, realized. Well, it, it wasn't mine. Yeah. I mean, that's well, because I took it. It's yeah. not. It's not something I. Had well, okay. Let's about. just be real. None of our, uh, none of, pretty much none of our materials original. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all. It's all. It's, it's all been all in the church for like millennia. A long time. But, but anyway, but so yeah. it was. It was yeah. great. We did it for quite a few years. We did some really cool. But yeah, gatherings. at some point you, it got structured enough that you had a binder. I mean, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Well, if 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 Stephanie's involved, particularly, <laughs> just oh, well, just just post just post. Two uh, triplets before the whole, you know, six kids under six <laughs> impacted her too much. She was she was one of the most and still is organized. honestly organized people. But 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 right. this would definitely fit into her, yeah. her gift. And so we have it. I mean, I can literally go pull it back, and I and I'm sure that I will get lashes if I don't have it back where where it was <laughs> before. But you know, it's neat to have captured it. It's it's fun to go back and and it's it, it is timeless. Not not necessarily the Red Sea, but the, the material is because it's not, not our own. But I think it's important to remind ourselves it's important as parents to to um understand why they should why parents should be going to confession, but also be able to explain to their children what's going on. And why it's there. So, anyway, so I thought we go. I thought we'd go, so thought we thought we'd, thought we'd go through that. Of, yeah, of reconciliation um, and penance. But, so really, but not not all joking aside. If y'all don't know Trey's definition, a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace is right. a sacrament. And so, just think when you think when you break that mm-hmm. down, and you think of each of the sacraments, you can. Plug in. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to teach with that definition. That's what um, I do. Because a lot of times, just yeah. even reminding your kids. So, if you, the thing about this, I would say there's there's four aspects. I mean, it's visible or tangible. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that we can sense. 
matter. Right, it's matter. There's invisible realities. There's something happening that's not readily apparent from somebody who doesn't know what's going on. So there's an invisible aspect to it. Given to, by Christ saying this is not something men invented. That's really basically the primary point. Which makes of it scriptural. That. Right. right. It, you know, Christ gave these to us. It's not, this is not an invention of man, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important. Uh, and then, and then to convert grace, which again, understanding grace from, from a Christian perspective is important because a lot of people, you know, they'll, you know, it's unmerited gift. Absolutely. That is true. I mean, what, what, what Christ did on the cross, mer- he merited for us. An unmerited gift. We didn't do anything to earn it. So any people out there that think that Catholics believe that somehow we earn grace, we don't. But oftentimes it's viewed as something that God is providing that kind of covers us. And that's really not a, a old Christian, a Christian Catholic view is grace elevates our nature. It's something that builds on what we have. It doesn't cover us. It doesn't make God not see us for who we are. It actually elevates our nature. It, 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 it allows us to become more than we're capable of becoming separate from God's grace. It allows us to be able to be better parents. It allows us to be able to be better Christians. And I think that's really important that we understand that grace is unmerited and it is a gift, but it is something that God, we have to cooperate with. And when we do cooperate with it, we can change. Not because we can simply will it, but because if we cooperate with it and God wants us to change, he'll provide us with his very life, his power. I always, I always use the term, you know, it's, it's God's power (laughs) to change. Mm -hmm. It's God's power to live our vocation. It's God's power to make us, into saints. Well, and it's a reminder too. Um, and help me was the gentleman that that we when we were doing the show um, talked about calling. We need to remember to call. Yeah, Jim. Uh, uh, Jim thank you, Beckman. Jim Beckman. Sorry, Jim. It's my some timers kicking in. Uh, right. <laughs> it's most of the timers for me. <laughs> but yeah, Jim Beckman reminded us that we need to call on that grace of the sacrament of our marriages. Um, I, I think that was a yeah, great, that was one of the beautiful. best, was mm-hmm. a great point that he's like, is we don't, well, I mean, it hit me. I, w- I was working and completed my master's. I remember going to Father Mike Sis, now Bishop Mike Sis, as, as my confessor and as somebody who had kind of walked me through my conversion. And he, and, and I, you know, at this time we had three kids, you know, the triples hadn't come yet. And, and, and he's, I, I say, I can't pray like I used to. I can't get the mass as much as I used to. I can't get the grace that I need. And, you know, he kind of set back as only Father Mike can do and says, uh, Trey, um, you got your master's in theology, right? I said, <laughs> I said, yes. I knew something was coming from there. He goes, he goes last time I checked, marriage is a sacrament and grace is available <laughs> in the sacrament of marriage. So while you're living that out, there's grace available to you. You don't, you don't have to, and you're not called to be at Mass every day. It'd be nice if you can, but if it's taking care of your kids or running errands for your wife or doing whatever you have to do for that calling, there's grace available there. And and I think for that, it made me realize it's it's something we need to remind ourselves up over and over again, those four aspects, visible or tangible, something that that we as humans and our humanness and our matterness can actually, it's tangible to us. An invisible aspect, we need to think, what is really going on here? What is this signifying? What is this about? What is God doing in this? And what does he promise? Given to us by Jesus, not invented by us. And then to give us the grace to actually live out what it signifies. So anyway. I think one of the things that can confound us Catholics sometimes with, say, uh, realizing the grace that's in the sacrament of marriage is because some of the, some of the sacraments, the Eucharist, confession, right. and um, last rites 
Right. You could receive those more than once. The liturgical event you can ha- can happen more than one time in your right. life. Yes. But the other four, it's the liturgical aspect of it is just one time. And so that kind of makes us, I think there's something it's about a, that that makes us think that, okay, that's like a one and the marriage is a one, one and done, done sacrament <laughs> when it's really not. Yeah. None, mean, of, none of them are. It, no. I mean, I guess there's, there's a couple of ways that it's, it's similar to, um, it's similar to um, baptism in that sense that you only are baptized once and, and something changes. It's interesting, and I'm almost certain it's, it's St. Robert Bellarmine that, that talks about the fact that comparing the Eucharist to the sacrament of marriage says that it's one of the few that actually the effect of the moment that it happens lasts, be, lasts beyond that moment. So like in confession, if we confess and we're absolved from our sin, that's a moment, it's something that you need to go back to. Um, in the Eucharist, at when when the when the pri- when the priest consecrates, confects the Eucharist, when it 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 lasts beyond that. I mean, it can be put into a tabernacle. Right, right. I see. What and you're so, I, so Bella, Robert Bellarmine, I'm almost I'm ninety nine percent sure it was him. Compares the two, saying it's something that lasts beyond when it actually happens. Then, and and, and maybe for the. For the kids, you can listen. the The sign of uh, of marriage is the marital act, mm-hmm. and and so in that sense, that that's that is a re um, profession or professing because again. The, because the spouses are the ones who administer the sacrament to one another when they when, the, when the marital act happens again. It's almost like it's parallel to. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's parallel to the priest confecting the Eucharist again, right? I would. I mean, in, in a, there's in some, a sense, there's some yeah, kind there of parallel. Is, there. there is a parallel though, because because and that's what a lot of people don't understand in the in in our um, in our understanding that it's the it's the two people, the priest or the you know you'll you'll say I still say it, you know Father so and so married us or whatever. Well, no, we married each other. <laughs> um, the priest was there and it's part of the requirement so that we can document, okay, there are they, are they Christians? Are they, are they free to marry? Are they, are the right questions being asked to make sure that they're freely deciding to do this and that they understand what they're getting into? Um, so it needs to be witnessed by somebody, but marriage itself has actually happened between the two people when they, when they, profess their vows and the sign of those vows is the marital act. And so we're just, we're re-professing those vows when we do that. So mm-hmm. that's why it's holy. But anyway, bottom line, um, I could talk about this stuff forever, to be <laughs> honest, because I, because I think, I think as Catholics, we need to do a better job of, you know, I've had Protestant friends that say, well, you know, we're about the Bible and y'all are about sacraments. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> we're, we're, we're about Jesus, the word and, and, and all that he's given us and certainly the sacraments of those. So anyway, we digress. That's a, that's a long, but I, hopefully that's helpful for, for a number of reasons. But, but if we go to this, this was actually class nine, interestingly, <laughs> of, of, of our um, gathering so it probably would have happened. We started, I guess, maybe in the summer. It probably would have been happening about this time of year, um, maybe precisely because yeah. <laughs> it is during Lent um, that we that we do this. And so, again, always in the context of what it means to be holy. And I'm just going to really quickly: to be holy means to be united with God. To be holy, there's only one who is holy: God Himself. And God desires to be in union with us. And so we have to do that. So what do we need to become holy? Well, we need the gift of God himself to us. It's not something we can go attain. And that the one of the things that we always said, the saints teach us what about this holiness? It is unique and unrepeatable. It doesn't make a, it doesn't make everybody conform to an image. It actually makes every saint is supremely more unique and unrepeatable than people who fall short of being a saint. 
In other words, God doesn't make saints, oh, oh, they all look the same. They all act the same. No, they're actually have such a precise calling and are so made so unique that the holiness that is that participation in God's life actually makes them more and more unique the, the more united they become with God. And then um, here, what's sin? And that's where we would begin with this, because sin is that which separates us from that holiness. It's, 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 so it's important to remember, why do we need reconciliation penance? Because of sin. And so we'll grab a few things here. Sin, uh, it's, it's, as the church teaches, it's an offense against reason. It's an offense against truth. And it's offense against right conscience. It's a failure in genuine love for God and, and or neighbor caused by an attachment to certain goods. And ultimately it's an offense against God himself. And that's why Psalm 51.4 and Psalm 51 is prayed quite a bit during this time of year. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight, is Psalm 51. So it's, it's, dis, it's disobedience. Um, it's a revolt against God. And um, it flows from the will to become like God's. It actually flows back to the original. <laughs> because what did the devil? The devil said, you know, if you eat of it, you will become like God's. That's the great lie, and it's still the great lie. You, you'll, you'll be in control. You'll be in charge. You'll be God's. And um, that happens whenever we deny truth and grace. One of my favorite lines, and it's, it is a paraphrased line from St. Augustine, is actually looking back at that because, because God wants us to be not like God's. He wants us to be like him who is God, and he, he doesn't put us down like we think of some authority. He actually draws us up into his presence. So St. Augustine says, in trying to become more than what we were, and talking about the initial fall, and trying to become more than what we were, what we are, we become less than what we were made to be. And so the devil's always trying to trick us into saying, well, God's putting you down. He's, he's, he's keeping you under his thumb, so to speak. And you could be so much more if you would just get out from under him. And so we do that. So when we sin, we do that. And when we do that, we're striving to be something more than what we are, when in fact, we become less than what we're made to be because God wants us to be holy. It's a, it is a promise of God. It's a prayer. If you pray, I want to be a saint, Lord, make me into a saint. Guess what? He's going to answer that. He's going to answer that. It's a great prayer. So anyway, I don't know if you had any... Well, and I was just thinking, too, um, and I can't remember in our outline if we kind of go through the, you know, a, a lot of times there's questions about venial versus mortal sin. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about that. And but. I think for kids, a great example of um, or a great visual, I guess I should say, um, to be able to explain this to kids is to um, get um, a, a tall glass, a tall clear drinking glass. Well, I think we did that for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and um, have water, which is goodness, you know, um, and pour, you know, an empty glass full of water. And, you know, when we don't sin, that's, you know, we're full of goodness. I mean, that, the, but then get some pebbles, some rocks and start filling the glass. You can dump it back out, then fill the glass. With yeah. The- yeah. To, I mean, to see, you know, that, that this much goodness went into you without sin. <laughs> and then when you put, when you have sin, you can't put all that goodness. There's the, 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 the sin takes the place of goodness. And we did use that. Um, and yeah. those would be venial sins because right. the grace is still able it's to still, pour into right. it. Right. You're still it's, able to pour, but then with mortal sin, you find a cover to like a, a big old rock or, that covers the or saran wrap. Covers. Yeah. Or saran wrap, something like that, you know, and you, you know, that you're totally blocked off from God's grace in mortal sin. Um, and so, which I mean, you still have access, obviously, to remove well, that. And the, it shows that sacrament. God's still trying to, he still wants to pour right. it. That's still there. It's right. not like, it's something that we've put placed in the way. It's not something that right. God is. God's, the water's still there desiring to be poured in. But that was right. a great image for young kids to actually show them the difference between, you know, what happens when you've, made a good confession and, mm-hmm. and make a good penance and where you stand with that with regard to God's grace. Venial sins, small pebbles that get in the way, but still mm-hmm. limit 
your ability to receive everything to maybe a giant rock that covers the c- cover, grace is still being poured out. So right. that's something you could do to, I mean, that would be something you could do, um, a little lab experiment or whatever. It's just a great visual. It's a great visual. But, um, I think that that's really, that's really important. I think ultimately what you want to convey is, is that sin is, is breaking a relationship with someone who loves you, that that's, that's it. And that's why we talk, we'll talk about, it and we do talk about it, but I mean, that's understanding the difference between say perfect contrition and imperfect contrition, which we will talk about, but it has to do with how you look at it. Oops, I did that. I mean, now I'm in trouble is different than, oops, I've offended somebody who I care about and who cares about me. And that, that is of concern. That's two different ways. So anyway, just for the people that don't, that don't know, I always like to do this because I think it's important for us as Catholics to know that there is a biblical basis for this. And so there's a few, um, a few verses. Um, anyway, First John, John one nine says, "If we acknowledge our sins, He who is just can be trusted to forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrong." James five fourteen and sixteen says, "Confess your sins to one another." Um, if you look at Matthew eighteen fifteen through eighteen, um, you know the church is given authority. You know, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then finally, John, this is a really important one because John 20, 22 and following is Jesus after the resurrection coming back saying, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. There's no limits imposed. There's nothing like, there's nothing like he says, unless I say differently, he just, he he hands off that authority. And he's speaking to the apostles. To the apostles, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And you have to, I mean, he's speaking to the apostles for that purpose. So, um, and the church says that that's exactly what's happening. It's one, of, it's, one, it's, one of the, it's one of the few verses, if you take a verse, the church doesn't often say, this means this, this verse means this, and if you don't agree with that, you know, a great anathema. Sit, you're a heretic. You know? You're a heretic. <laughs> you're outside. You're you're anathema, anathema. Sit. That's so for you Catholics. If you have a dog, name the dog anathema, and then you can say anathema. Anathema. Sit. <laughs> anyway, bad Catholic humor. But so that um, was John twenty twenty two and following. Yeah. John twenty twenty two and following. I'm sorry. John yeah, 20, 20, 22 yeah. and following. Also Matthew eighteen. Matthew eighteen fifteen through eighteen. Um, James 5, 14 through 16, and 1 John 1, uh, 9. Um, Luke 24, 47 is that. And Jesus says, you know, repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. All right. So repentance is critical to this. And the, and the word is important to remember the word in Greek is metanoia. And John Paul II, that's one of his favorite words. Um, and it's it's kind of a fun word to say. I was about to say, it's kind of metanoia. like annoying, like annoying. <laughs> metanoia. And, and metanoia is a turning around. Um, you can get, this is really a great thing. Pope Benedict pointed this out. The church has always said this. But if you go to a if you go to a baptism or if you go to Easter, go to Easter vigil, if you dare. We've been doing it for years, but but you'll find you know when they make the profession of faith, they ask questions, and the first questions are, "Do you reject? Do you reject Satan? What that that's, and then, do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Do you believe in His only Son Jesus Christ?" That, he says, is this great turning around. You're looking one way, and you say, do you reject that? And then now, do you believe in this? And that, in the way that that's taught, it, it is actually a visible or at least an audible way that the church is conveying. We're turning away from one thing and turning towards something else. And that's what metanoia is, all right? Um, but is it as fun as hermeneutics? 
<laughs> Man, we had some great ones. The word, the word Same. last week was hermeneutics. Her, maybe maybe instead of a verse, we should have a word. A word for the jubal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hermeneutics now metanoia. All right. So anyway, um, I don't know if you had any comments on that, but I, I just want to point out that the sacrament, as all sacraments are, were instituted by Christ. For anybody in the Bible, those Bible verses you have to deal with because he gives the authority to his apostles um, to bind and loose sin. And without qualification, he doesn't say in this case, he says you have that authority. And so that's what we stand on. So you can disagree with that, but... It is reasonable, given what we have in the Bible, <laughs> and given the history of the church and what has been taught for millennia now, it is reasonable to believe what we believe. It's not out there. It's not, it's not a human invention. So anyway, uh, anything that? So here are the key points. The, the, distinguished, the sta- distinction between guilt and temporal punishment, between forgiveness and consequences. This is something that we have to, because it, it is so important for us to remember. I think what happens, and I think it flows from often an understanding that Jesus has accomplished everything and gained the forgiveness of our sins, which he has. All right, he died on the cross, and the only way we're forgiven is because of what he's done. But sometimes we think that because that's what they limit the, the idea that they limit it to, I think people tend to think that forgiveness means there is no punishment, that forgiveness equals no punishment, forgiveness equals no consequences. Because I think some of our Protestant brothers and sisters will put it out there, and it sounds like that. We have to be clear. There's a difference between being forgiven of our sins and the impact that those sins have both on us and those people who we are in contact with and love, right? There, there, are, there are consequences associated with sin. Even if we're forgiven, they impact others. One of the great stories for, for kids, you know, um, I forget the, the veggie tales. Um, there was a Veggie Tales that was a that, that basically is David and Bathsheba, um, but the story of David and and Bathsheba and and, and committing murder and and those things, and God, Nathan comes and after he's expressed his sorrow, Nathan says God has forgiven you, but these are the consequences, and he goes on to say, you know, your fi- family will always have infighting and your children will rise up against you. And this is, there's all these things that will occur. So that's the foundation that you have that. So it's important to remember that that's the case. So we always use this example. You may have heard it. It happened in our house. (laughs) Go out, tell the kids, go out, tell our kids, (laughs) Hey, you're throwing the ball towards the house. Why don't y'all go parallel to the house? No, Dad. Well, we got it. No problem. But seriously, you, you could break a window. Dad, we're too good. We're never. We'll never break a window. I literally shut the door, and the ball beat me into the living room. I mean, I, I literally it happened almost instantaneously. Went through the through the thing. They came in and said, "Dad, we're so sorry. We're so sorry." Uh, and you know, I had to calm down a little bit because <laughs> I was like, "I I told you." But you're forgiven. But the problem is, is I, I forgave them, but the, the window's still broken. There's still bugs and stuff coming in. Something has to be done about the window. So you can be forgiven long before the consequences have played themselves out, right? I mean, in fact, there are going to be consequences in this case, even though you're forgiven. You're going to have to help pay. And it's not necessarily punishment in the sense of we're going to make up something that's going to that's going to cause you pain so that you don't do this again it's just the pain of this has got to be fixed you got to make it right and so th- i think that's really important for us to talk about with our children is this distinction and not making it all one thing 
that forgiveness and consequences are two separate things, the very Catholic, very Christian way. So um, any thoughts on that? No, I, and you know this is also a good time to intertwine in 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 your in your teaching about sin and and forgiveness to just to practice it in in your home. Yes, um, go ahead. Yeah. Because we um, we definitely um, it's I think we're a culture of we say I'm sorry. I mean we just say I'm sorry. You know that's it, it's and, and it's that's it, that rolls off really easily. Um, yet if you kind of break it down, um, and I think you sort of get a twofold benefit or or maybe even more than that benefit from having a child say, I am sorry for, and have them name and claim what they've done wrong. Um, so, you know, example, Johnny and Susie are playing and, and Johnny hits Susie because he doesn't want her to touch his truck. I am sorry for hitting you. Yes. Please forgive me. Um, and that please forgive me, well, the I'm sorry for is taking responsibility for your actions, number one. And then the please forgive me is a, um, a humility and a humbleness and a vulnerability of I'm asking for your forgiveness, but then guess where the power goes to the person that has to say, I forgive you. Um, and in our house, we didn't let people say, because the other thing that really ha- that happens very frequently is, oh, it's all right. It's okay. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's not okay. <laughs> not, that's not the response I want from the person who's, you know, giving the forgiveness. You have the kids say, I, I forgive you. Um, and it's um, it's difficult. Try it with your husband. You're with your wives. It's it's uh, I still struggle. with. That. <laughs> I mean, because there is there's a there's a humility and a. Um, and a vulnerability in in asking someone, um, you know, for that for that forgiveness. And so, like I said, it's a great kind of a little mimic of confession. If you think about it, I'm sorry for, you know, please forgive me. Um, making a good and being contrite. We all know that people can. Like well, I think I, said, I think I think what it does. There's a couple of things it does. That I think are really important. Number one, it makes you identify what it is as a parent. That's really important. To make sure that, to make sure that they understand what their real what their sin is, because you can you can. And I think we've talked about this before. It is possible that, for example, throwing a ball in the house and you knock over a vase and the vase breaks, right? But you've told them don't <laughs> don't throw the ball in the house because that might happen. Oftentimes, they will want to apologize for breaking the vase, which is fine. But the real issue is yeah, I disobeyed you. <laughs> I disobeyed something that I knew and I didn't trust that what you were telling me was there for a reason, even though <laughs> it didn't always happen. It just happens once in a while or maybe only happened once. I think that's important to do that. The other thing is, is I do think, like you said, the vulnerability is important and it prepares us for what happens and we should be an example in our house so that when they go to confession, they understand when they're in front of a priest, there is a certain level of vulnerability of laying it out there, name it and claim it, do your best job of saying, this is what I did wrong, and then waiting for that forgiveness to come, that gift. I also think, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think think as parents we have to, especially when they're little, they're the age of children I have right now. Right. I think you, I think it's important to not be doormats as parents when they do stuff wrong. Right. You know, you have to control your emotions. You have to control your temper. You, you can't get, you can't let every little thing reach mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but it's important for them in their human formation, their development mm-hmm. to see that when they do something inconsiderate, irresponsible, just thoughtless that it hurts people. It hurts people like their parents. So you, you have to let your, you have to control your emotion, your reactions to things, but you have to let those reactions happen or otherwise they just, right. my, my sense is that they would just go through life thinking, la da 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 da. <laughs> Everything I do is fine. I never, you know, nothing I do ever has any consequences mm-hmm. or 
negative effects on people. And that and that's and I think you do have to talk through with your kids about the relationship that's broken as a result of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And one of the best way to do it is sometimes we as parents will do something that requires that and we need to extend it when we do not only just saying we're sorry because we didn't handle something well, but extend it we I impacted our relationship and that's more important than anything. Mm-hmm. And and focus on the relationship because what you're trying to get to is an understanding. You you can be sorry and even ask for forgiveness for multiple reasons. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry because I don't want to be grounded because I'm planning on going to that party or <laughs> or whatever. That's that's one reason, and it's okay. <laughs> it's not great, but we want to get them to where they're thinking of. I impacted a relationship with somebody I love. Mm-hmm. So that's the first is imperfect contrition. Mm-hmm. The the latter is perfect contrition. And so we talked about it. So for, for baptism, what's the matter of baptism? Water. 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 All right. What, what's the matter of the Eucharist? The host. The host, bread. the bread, right? The unleavened bread in our bread case, wine. whatever bread, mm-hmm. wheat bread. What is the matter, and this is heart of, what is the matter of confession, of reconciliation, penance? It's contrition. Contrition. Mm -hmm. It it is being sorry. And contrition, any way it comes, is a, as a prerequisite, is met, (laughs) whether it's out of fear, I don't want to be punished, or out of out of out of love, out of breaking of relationship, but God wants it to be that, and we want to always move from. I don't want to be zapped <laughs> by God, you know, in, the, in, the, in that sense. I don't want to go to hell. That's that's good motivation. I don't want to go to hell. What well, even uh, says that in the act of contrition? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. that's a good thing. You literally and, pray and, that. And you pray in that in that act of contrition. You pray both, you know, but. More importantly, so you actually because see thou art both all good and all deserving of my life. Uh, yeah, but you start out with I fear the pains of hell. <laughs> yeah, 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 so so actually in yeah. the act of contrition, more, the standard but more than that, right? right <laughs> you're actually you actually are expressing, which is why it's so important to see that the church is always teaching. I mean, if you look at the prayers that she gives you, the act of contrition, she's teaching you that you probably have some that's I don't want to go to hell, and. If you don't have a little bit that's that because you deserve all of my love, if you say the prayer and you listen to what you're saying, you're you're actually being taught that there's two different reasons for for being sorry, for being contrite. So anyway, um trust the church. I mean, she's <laughs> She's very wise. Trust the prayers. You know, I, I know we all like to pray spontaneously, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But trust, trust that there's a reason that Jesus gives us the Our Father. Trust that the church has given us words for the Eucharistic, pra- the various Eucharistic prayers. Listen to those because inspired by the Holy Spirit, the church puts those out there, and there is something to be learned from those words. You may hear them all the time. Stop for a moment. Or follow I find thought for me it's following along in the missalette. So I, I kinda really have an issue with like the churches that are taking missalettes out because I I have to see the words in black and white. That that's just my hmm? personal yes. learning style, you know? Um and so to not get into that rote, you know, glazed over Eucharistic prayer look. <laughs> I, I I need to see the you know to see the word so so find what works for you and um, because yeah the, yeah the church is always teaching us and yeah so so, so anyway easily. that's that's important so I think from this that it's important to recognize that one thing I don't want to back up on we won't spend a whole lot of time on it I mean very little actually just indulgences we do believe. And indulgences, indulgences. When we talk about the difference between is that like chocolate, like I really <laughs> want to indulge. Like it's really good, and chocolate's so tasty. Uh, is that what you're talking about? No, not exactly. Sweeter than that. Indulgence <laughs> is the remission that, of temporal punishment due to sin, or or, or temporal consequence due to sin. Something that, that that is due to us because of what we did. It's like the the I got to pay for that window to be fixed. I got to do something to pay for it. And indulgence is something that. Christ through his church provides us doing certain things that, 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 that says that 
either partially or completely partial indulgence or plenary indulgence following certain things. And we're not going to get into that. That's a whole nother show that that temporal punishment can be remitted. God can say out of his mercy. Well, so it'd be like me saying, you know what? You're so sorry, <laughs> kids. I'm not going to have you work. I'm going to fix the window myself. Right. I'm going to pay for it. <clears throat> um, which you would want to do all the time. No good father would, but it would be a pretty great show of mercy uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what indulgences are. They're already forgiven. Okay. Indulgence is not something you get to like get out of jail free. The uh, a prerequisite of a, of a indulgence is I've sought and gained forgiveness from God, but the, 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 the punishment I I've asked God, sorry, I broke the window. <laughs> yes, you're forgiven. But indulgence is beyond that. It's, it is the extension of a remission of that, of that punishment of the fixing the window. So anyway, um, a little bit more I'm going to go through. We, we talked about three acts of a penitent. Contrition is one. All right. Um, it's really important to remember that sorrow is not a feeling. <laughs> it's a decision. All right? we, sometimes, well, I don't feel sorry. It's a decision that just admits what I've done is wrong. And I'm deciding to say that it's wrong and that I shouldn't have done it and to ask forgiveness from the person who's, who's done it. Sometimes we may feel that and we may be, receive the gift of tears and, and, and that. But just because you don't feel that, it is an act of the will to say, I was wrong, shouldn't have done that, don't want to do it again. And so there's sorrow. And then there's got to be a purpose of amendment. <laughs> it's not to get out of jail, you know. I'm going to do this, you know, and I'm forgiven. Now I can go back out and do exactly what I did. That doesn't mean that there aren't repetitive sins. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there aren't things that, that, that always pop up as things that, 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 that happens. But at the time, I really don't want, I'm not thinking, I'm going to get out of jail free and then I'm going to go back out and maybe I can get back here before I die. You know, <laughs> well, that <laughs> goes back to the act of contrition. Why, you know, one of the more classic versions is I'm going to avoid the near occasion of sin. And so you're supposed to, I've always taken it as, I mean, I try to go in prayer afterwards and say, okay, I try, I'm on, you know, trial balloon, right. Z, Z, Z of how I can stamp out this, repetitive sin, but I guess I'll go to A, 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 A plan. <laughs> what can I do to, you know, how can I avoid the situations, feelings, people that, that contribute to this, the sin that I still stumble into? Like just always keep trying, keep going back to the drawing board of how can I avoid sin? Yeah. Right. We, and we, right. we had this great conversation at our dinner table just the other night. And the, one of the kids, we were just talking about um, some struggles in, in the way the kids were interacting. And one of the kids said, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired of having this same conversation over and over and over and over again. And we were like, oh, there's sin. Think about when you go to confession. Do you like do you have new sins every time you go? And they all were like, no. <laughs> I mean, it, same. It gets and, and it, I mean, two things. Think how the priest feels, right? Or and but, but God, you know, and the, that shows you how again. great God's mercy is. <laughs> is it you keep coming back? You know, Jesus. You know, the seventy times seven. How many times should I forgive my mm -hmm. my enemy? Well, you know, seventy times seven, meaning as many times as the person comes back to do it. So anyway, that that's contrition. The so contrition, being sorry, sorry, willing that is the first act of the penitent. The second is confession of sin and of God's mercy in, in even showing up, you're trusting in God's mercy. And in, you're, you have to say, I, I know that I am a sinner, but God's mercy is greater than that. And, and in the confession of the sins, we're simultaneously doing both if we're doing it, doing it appropriately. So confession would be the second thing. And then the last one that's important is satisfaction or penance, you know, the, the, the paying for the broken window, so to speak, it's an outward sign of a, hopefully an inward conversion. It's, it's, I've turned around and now I'm going to do something. It is something that's usually given 
by the priest, suggested by the priest. It is. It can be either voluntary. You can do a penance based on, I need to give this up or do that. Um, and that it's, but it can be something that is proposed. So it says involuntary. Patient acceptance of suffering against, I mean, assigned by God, ranks number one, says the Council of Trent. This is the most forceful proof of love by the temporal afflictions imposed on us by God if we bear them with patience. What he's, what he's saying is, is involuntarily, we can have things that cause us suffering. And some of the great saints have looked at those things and said, I deserve that, and I accept it and go from there. So anyway, that's basically that's basically yeah. it. Yeah. So you make know, it to confession. Well, and, and you know, I, I was just thinking as you were, because um, I have some friends who are very, very good at, they do their... Um, they do their uh, uh, an examination of conscience nightly. I wish that was something we had done with the kids during our prayer time to to do that. Ha- you know, to have that habit of of thinking every night. Because I know a lot of times I'll go through and it's like, oh my gosh, it's already been a month and it's time to go to confession again. And wow, where did that month go? And what did I do? You know, where I think when you do it daily, it's. Um, it's such a good, you know, so, so incorporate that into your prayer time as a family at night. Just, you know, not that they have to out loud verbalize their sins, but, get, you know, get, talk about an examination of conscience and, you know, either break down one that the church has or just, you know, depending on the age of your kids, um, have a the moment of silence to think about how you've, you know, broken relationship with someone in the family or, or God or, you know, that, right. um, but uh, okay, so you got a little sneak peek of our verse, our memory verse. It's going to be one John one nine. So one John chapter one, verse nine. If we acknowledge our sins, He who is just can be trusted to forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrong. One John one nine. So hope you all are having a blessed Lent. I kind of wanted to go over the the, uh, but well, we don't have for, time. Listen for make yeah. it, make yep. it. Make, make, make a, a, a penance service. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll post those. All right. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Pray for us. We're praying for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 